This is a Squeeze podcast. We're your shortcut to being informed. This week, our podcast is brought to you by BHP. Reducing greenhouse gas emissions in the production of copper is critical. That's why BHP has committed to solar, wind and battery agreements to help power their copper mine at Olympic Dam in South Australia. It's happening now at BHP. Visit bhp.com critical to find out more. Welcome to the Weekly Wrap, the week in news and what's coming up. I'm Kate Watson. And I'm Claire Kimball. At the top today, we're going to talk about the week in federal politics, preventative detention laws, IR and the NDIS. And then it's an around the grounds of our most popular states and the big news coming out of them. Yep, we're going to talk through the latest from the Israel-Hamas war, also give you a reading recommendation on how this is all playing out intergenerationally for some. And the time person of the year. Another opportunity to talk about Taylor Swift. Yep, we get to talk about Swifty again, perhaps for the last time this year, perhaps not. You never know. Well, you never know. And uh, we give a foot cream recommendation. (laughs) It's a bit of a come down, Kate. (laughs) We start the podcast each and every week, Claire, for those who are new uh, to the weekly wrap with the most clicked link out of our Squeeze Today newsletter. We have a daily newsletter that goes out every weekday. Uh, It's brilliant of course. And if you're not signed up, you should. It's free as well. Um, And it gives us a good indication of what people are into. This week, it was about why you should update your iPhone operating system to, is it 17.1.2? That's exactly right. (laughs) Okay. And look, it sounds a bit dull, I guess, if this is your first experience of listening to us. (laughs) It does. (laughs) Bear with us. Uh, Squeeze has agreed that this is an important issue. It's very important, of course, when the experts say your security is at risk on your mobile device and that we do the things that they recommend to keep us safe. And when we say people clicked on it, like thousands of people clicked on it to find out. Long story short. Just do the update. Do the update. That's that's all you need to know. Okay. The biggest story this week, Claire, again, the war in Gaza, and we're going to cover that off a bit later in the podcast. Locally, though, one of the big talking points was a whole heap of stuff coming out of Canberra as it was the last sitting week of Parliament. Yeah. So the plan was that the Senate would sit Monday to Thursday. The House of Reps would come back just for Thursday if then needed to clear anything off. I won't take you through our constitutional democracy and how the two houses of parliament work right here, right now, but essentially (laughs) they had to come back early and that was for a sad reason. The Labor MP Peter Murphy died this week from breast cancer. And you knew her, Claire. Yeah, I sure did. I went to university with her. We were both at ANU and we lived on campus at the same residence and um, we played a lot of sport together. She was a formidable competitor, Mm. Peter. She really was a great sportswoman. Um, She was very smart too. So she was very focused on doing really well in her law degree, which she did. She went on to be a barrister before she entered parliament. So heaps of people who admired her. Certainly I'm one of them who had a lot to say about her this week. Yeah, we heard lots of her colleagues pay tribute to her on Wednesday in parliament. The House of Reps, as you say, was recalled to do it. It's a rare 
thing to do. Yeah, it's not often that a sitting MP dies while they're in office. Mm. So it is very rare. But yeah, to see the warmth for her was really quite heartening. Yeah, to the business of politics, three things to cover off as promised. The first is the preventative detention laws that were passed. Lots has been said about the release of 148 odd people who were in immigration detention after the High Court found they could not be locked up indefinitely. According to the media monitoring this week, Claire, it continues to be in the top five news stories in Australia. It continues to generate a lot of headlines. This Mm. has been going on for weeks and weeks now. And yeah, that new turn in the story was that these new laws have been passed. Uh, It means that those who have been released could continue to be detained if they're assessed at being at high risk of reoffending. Critics say that these new laws could create a parallel legal system where you would have migrants and refugees in prison on the basis of what they might do in the future. Yeah, it's a big topic. Reports also this week say four of those who were released have been arrested for offences already. Attorney General Mark Dreyfus really lost it, Claire, when questions were put about this this week. There's very few ways to actually say what he did, he did lose it. <laughs> Completely yeah, lost his just call. Just got fed up. Yeah, he really did. And look, putting aside the point that he was making that he wouldn't apologise for upholding Australia's laws, which is a perfectly valid point to make when you're the Attorney General, it really did show that he was under pressure. And it really points to what many conservative commentators have been saying about this, which is that as we close out the year, the Albanese government's under pressure. Ah, the end of year talk about how the government's performed. (laughs) Don't they love it? (laughs) The second thing uh, we wanted to point out was about the NDIS, a big one coming into the back end of the week. The National Disability insurance scheme. On Wednesday, there was an agreement between the federal government and the states and territories to have kids with mild autism and also developmental issues to go back into the state systems Mm. to get them out of the NDIS. On Thursday, the results of a big review were unveiled. The NDIS is a huge topic. It's something we've been holding off talking about until there was really a lever to do so. And this looks to be it. I've requested it for a shortcut this week. I don't know if my bid will be be successful? Well, we'll see. (laughs) We'll see. Just to give you a sense, more than 600,000 Australians with disabilities rely on the scheme. It costs taxpayers more than Medicare. It's a big thing. And all of a sudden it's become a very big thing and is on the rails to become an even bigger thing if they don't do something about it. So there seems to be near universal agreement that fixes need to be made pretty urgently if they're going to make it sustainable into the future. Uh, What this review, which Bill Shorten, the Minister for Government Services and the NDIS said this week, is that it needs to be returned to its original intended purpose. And that is first and foremost, providing support to those with complex needs. And also, this is the quote, functional impairment rather than medical diagnosis. Yeah. For those who are new to the Squiz, we have a daily news podcast called Squiz Today. And you and Alice spoke about this in Friday's episode. If you want more on it, give that a listen. But Claire, before we leave this topic, it's worth noting that fixing this was a big promise from Prime Minister Anthony Albanese when he was elected. I remember talking about it at the time. Yeah, it was a big one. And there is is a lot of goodwill across politics and across the state and territory jurisdictions as well to get it right. Yeah, there really is. The third thing, IR. 
<laughs> Kate, you've been sort of, when are we talking about yeah, When are we going to talk about when IR? Because I'm getting all the ads. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It does come up a lot on social media, doesn't it? It does. Yeah. yeah. And lots of big campaigns being run by the employers and the business councils and those sorts of things as well. Mm. So, look, the legislation is going to be back in the House of Reps in February. It's some stuff happened in the Senate this week. Well, go on. Oh, dear. Okay. <laughs> so Jackie Lambie uh, and David Pocock, of course, two independent senators, they made an agreement with the Albanese government on Thursday to support the most contested part of the Albanese government's industrial relations plan, and that relates to labour hire laws. Yeah, and there is a lot of bits and pieces to this, but it's what they call same job, same pay. The coalition for their part are furious, Claire, that this um, is something that they've been able to have agreement on. What they wanted was more time to consider all of this, to read through it, to have some committee hearings about it and actually look into it a little bit more. Um, What same job, same pay means, though, is that it would require labour hire workers to be paid the same as those directly employed on a workplace pay deal. So give us an example. You're a baggage handler at the airport. You worked for an airline, you were stood down as part of cost-saving measures and the airline then decided to contract workers through these labour hire companies. I'm mm. not pointing at any particular yeah, companies I feel like in this example. Yeah, I referring to Actually, some. I think, I think most of them have done it, to be honest. Yeah. Um, the idea is those workers who were sacked can't be paid any less than a worker in that job. Mm. So there's going to be protections for them. It means that there's no incentives for those businesses to sack their workforces and dodge paying condition obligations. You can imagine um, the employers have their own point of view and they're not happy about this, which is why it's going to be something that we talk about quite a bit in 2024, given we have two of the crossbench now supporting this and legislation. The yeah, exactly. And the Greens. They've got the numbers now. Jackie Lambie, David Pocock. Funny odd couple, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Look, you would think so. And there was an Australian story on him earlier this year. It's actually one of my, I think, most memorable bits yeah. of TV this year, that yeah. Australian story on him. Uh, he talks about working with her a lot. Um, they work together quite a bit. Mm. They're both independent senators. There's lots of legislation that's very complex to get through. So they support each other a lot. Yeah. It's nice to have friends. It's great to have friends. <laughs> Claire, that was the uh, national stuff tied up in a neat bundle. That feels good, doesn't it? (laughs) Got that done. What we're going to do now is a whip around um, our most populous states because as we were chatting this week, we'd realised there'd been a few state-based big things that had happened. I'm thinking we go north to south. (laughs) Whatever you want to do. That's fine. (laughs) You don't mind. I'm in your hands. So obviously we're talking Queensland, New South Wales, Victoria. Um, Going around the map. Well, we're just north to south is easier. Well, that's what I'm saying. Okay, we're just, we're, so yeah. <laughs> just look, oh Queensland's God. here where my finger's pointing. We're going around. Oh, it's a podcast. You know, people can't see you. <laughs> we're going to Queensland first. Okay, right let's to do the it. top, actually. We're I'm talking. Glad we worked that out. Yeah, we're talking about Mackay, uh, around Mackay. They're on high alert as Category Cyclone Jasper threatens. Not something people want to hear. No, because of course that's an area that's been pummeled by cyclones in the past and when Mm. it happens it's devastating. Uh, Queensland summer storms can be quite wild as we know and I didn't think that was the story that we were meant to be talking about. It's not really, but I added it in just because okay. we don't know what's going to happen there Got and it. it's it's sort of it's it could potentially be something. What we're pulling out of Queensland this week, Claire, is news that the Gold Coast would not be bidding for the Com Games. The mayor there, Tom Tate, yep. quite a quite a figure, said the lack of government, state and federal support for the Games was behind his reason for not 
continuing with that bid. Yeah, so these games, of course, are the ones that were supposed to be put on in Victoria that Daniel Andrews pulled out of. They're supposed to be in 2026. Really soon. Yeah. It's not that far away, is it? I must confess, when I was looking at this story, I googled who could possibly be going to host the Com Games. There is literally no answer. No one knows. No, it's not, not anyone. I reckon if Wagga wanted to put a bid in, they I could probably know. have a red hot go at it. I mean, it's a it's a global games, right? Like there's yeah, it's a, big. There is there is very few places that have put their hand up to do so. So that will be an ongoing discussion into the next year. South to New South Wales now, where we are, we have a few staff members based interstate, Claire. All of them this week have asked us about the Roselle interchange. It's gone national. <laughs> yeah, I guess um, just pointing out that we have people who don't live in Sydney talking about this yeah. is, is a reason to bring it up. If you're wondering what all of that is about, basically there's been a new road system just built on the edge of the city. It's been under construction for quite some time. Mm. People have been waiting for it to be done. Everyone was pretty excited about it opening and then... And then... Uh, Q traffic chaos was the main headline. It's the best way of putting it. It's been going on for a couple of weeks now. It's part of a much bigger project called West Connects, which means that drivers can travel from the Blue Mountains to the Harbour Bridge without traffic lights. It's been a whole thing. Of course, there are tolls to do that, Claire. Sounds great. Upon opening, it seems those located closer to the city, so within sort of that five-kilometre radius, went from a relatively quick drive to the CBD yep. to up to 90 minutes. At least that's what Rebel Wilson told us. Yeah, Rebel Wilson has even been on it because, of course, she's around the Balmain, Roselle mm. area. Um, she wasn't happy with that 90-minute commute. It's been an absolute mess for the government and for New South Wales planning and for the toll company. It's uh, yeah. been a whole thing this week, that's yeah, for sure. Yeah, a lot of takes on it. Some saying it's all part of a plan to get people off the roads. Some says it's just plain old poor planning. <laughs> I need to see it to understand that, Claire, I'm going to drive the road one day, but not in peak hour. Yeah, and look, there's plenty of videos on social media about it. You can do the virtual 90-minute trip with lots of commuters who are <laughs> documenting this if that's what you want to do. That's been the big thing. Victoria, coming at you, we could stay on infrastructure and talk about the suburban rail loop, but I thought we'd save that for another time. <laughs> what a treat for another time. Please don't. Please don't. Um, the Ombudsman. Yes. Away you go. Okay. So there have long been claims about Daniel Andrews' government and the way that he and his team use the public service for political ends. Mm. It's not a new story about governments using the public service and politicising it, but in this specific case, anyone who's in Victoria or who knows and follows politics closely would be across this because it's sort of that supercharged. Yeah. Um, but for anyone else, there are very clear rules about ministers' offices and protecting the integrity of the public service as independent of politics so they can do their job, they can provide advice, fearless and frank, all of that. But this week the Ombudsman said that it's absolutely not been the case in Victoria. For anyone who doesn't know what an ombudsman is, that they, would be fair enough. Well, sure. I mean, I don't... They're like, an independent yeah. like place you can go to complain about the government. Yeah, exactly. Is, is basically... Yeah, and they're formalised in legislation and they mm. have a job to actually be the place where complaints are uncovered. Yeah, exactly. We've got a link to an article from a couple of years back on this specific story that goes into the details of the extent of the power in the Premier's office, which goes to the heart of this conversation. That's verifiable in numbers too, Claire. It really is. So what this report found is that the Andrews office, the 
Premier's office, Mm. employed more than 80 staff in 2022. For comparison, in that year, the Prime Minister's office had about 50 staff and the New South Wales Premier's office had about 35. Yeah. There's no sanctions on all of this, though? I mean, what can actually happen? No. There's no jail for politicians that do this sort of stuff and he's left office. So there's nothing for him to actually answer to or be held accountable for. Mm. But it does make life quite difficult for the new Premier Jacinta Allen. Uh, She has to account for the sins of the past while Mm. also convincing voters that she's the right person for the future. Yeah, you have to be accountable to voters, that's right, which is why it's been such a big story in Victoria this week. This segment of the podcast, Claire, is called What's Coming Up. It's a way to give you a sense of what might be in the news in the next week and to feel like you're a bit ahead of things as we head into a new week. We find it really helpful for ourselves and people find it really helpful when they're listening to this podcast, so we do it each and every week. Um, Tomorrow, Claire, to kick off is Human Rights Day. This is a United Nations date. By all accounts, we can expect free Palestine rallies around the country and we'll talk a little bit about what's going on um, with Israel and Gaza this last week, given it was the biggest story of the week, as it often is. This week began with me sharing with you an article, Claire, which presented some of the horrors inflicted by Hamas terrorists on women during that 7th of October attack. Yeah, it's been really, really tough stuff to take any sort of account of that. There's been lots of media outlets investigating that as well, BBC, Mm. New York Times, all sorts of accounts, really looking into those horrendous claims of rape uh, and mutilation. So that's been around quite a bit. Uh, Lots of focus on Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu who as well, he's really implored the world to focus on the evils of Hamas. Uh, At the same time, Israel has begun a ground invasion and airstrikes in the south of Gaza, where, of course, a lot of the civilian population moved from the north to. Yeah, and so we continue with this criticism of Israel's reaction to that 7th of October attack. Yeah, exactly. Artists, actors, the United Nations, there has been a lot of condemnation of Israel for those actions, a lot of pushback against Israel. Uh, Israel has not, though, been backwards in coming forwards about what it thinks about that criticism and the commentary about its conduct during this war. Yeah, I want to recommend a read on this topic. It's a little um, a little separate to, obviously, the global politics around all of this. It's in the New York Times. It's about a Jewish-American family and how their family, within their family, there's been a lot of tension based on the fact that the sort of Gen Z and millennial members of the family see Israel as an occupying power oppressing Palestinians and how this is really difficult and quite shocking to their parents and their grandparents who see Israel as an essential haven fighting for survival. That's the words of the New York Times. Yeah, and this is one case study, but it does speak to, as you say, the tension in this debate. There's no one side, the other side. It's very complex. Within uh, nations, within communities, and within families. families. Yeah. yeah. Moving on, the Lamb and Defamation trial continues next week. It's been uh, fairly dominant across the news cycle this week and will likely continue to be so in the coming week. It might wrap up. Might wrap up. Yeah, exactly right. They're really whipping through the witnesses now. Yeah. Also, Boris Johnson is in town, Claire. Boris Johnson is in town, the former UK Prime Minister. Um, He's been in the news quite a bit this week because there's been an inquiry in the UK about the COVID response. And of course, he was the Prime Minister for the bulk of that time. Time, He lost his job as a result of his handling of COVID. Um, He's been asked a lot of questions about his response. Yeah, the criticism of Boris Johnson was always that he didn't take COVID seriously. 
seriously enough. And it, ultimately it was one of the reasons he lost his prime ministership. Mm. Remember Partygate? Partygate. He had that party during uh, restrictions. Many parties during yeah, restrictions. He actually more, yeah, yes. it was more, there was one specific one I remember reading about, but there was more than one. I think yeah. my friends these days would call them gatheros. Is that a word? Yeah. Gather you have a gather row. Oh, yeah. Is that a new friends thing? together? Okay. Just randomly. <laughs> okay. Anyway, in that inquiry, he did acknowledge, Claire, that he had underestimated the emerging threat of the coronavirus in early 2020. Plenty of leaders did, yeah. of course, in hindsight. Um, he is someone that people have definitely got views about. He is in town. It's the 11th John Howard Lecture that the Menzies Research Centre puts on. Uh, Wednesday, Kate, is Swifty's birthday. She'll be 34. She's the time person of the year. More on that in a sec. <laughs> Claire, Christmas season is upon us. With thanks to Woolworths, over the next few weeks, we'll be talking through what makes this time of year special for squizzers. And how we know is that a heap of you recently took the time, completed a survey for us, and we've got some really interesting data on all of that. Um, last week, we pulled out some great comments around Christmas rituals. And this week, it's all about food. And here's a really good one from the survey that I can absolutely get on board with. Smoked salmon and capers on a thick slice of buttered sourdough toast for breakfast. That's what one of our squizzers does on Christmas morning. Another person said they make coconut ice and caramel fudge. I really like caramel, so I liked that one. This one I had to Google, Claire. Pancakes, maple syrup and bacon with Buck's Fizz for breakfast. I did not know what Buck's Fizz was <laughs> and neither did you. Well, look, I know that they're a great 80s pop band. I absolutely stand by that. <laughs> but somehow I don't think that that's what this person's referring to. I mean, they could be. We don't know for sure. More likely they're talking about champagne and orange juice. Claire, this one is unique. Spicy chicken roll wrapped in pastry are an absolute must on our family table. Okay. Unique. Mm. Good one. Uh, we'll finish with this one, which simply said, wake, <laughs> presents, breakfast with bubbles, 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 <laughs> <laughs> lunch late, bubbles, bubbles, sleep. <laughs> that really speaks to me. Other than that, a lot of fresh fruit, seafood, puddings, and of course, Woolworths has all of those things that combine to make your Christmas season special. Check out Woolworths Christmas via the link in your episode notes. Recommends the time interview with Taylor Swift Claire is just incredible. Have you read it yet? I haven't read it yet. Save it up. It's quite I've, long. I've seen the articles on the thing, but I haven't yeah. read the thing. Yeah, no, I mean, sit down, cup of coffee on the oh. weekend, give it a read. It's maybe probably some bubbles. 20, maybe some bubbles. That's what you do. <laughs> um, for me, it just so clearly expresses where she's at, why she's just so epic. It also answers a question I have had for ages. Which is? Which is how she's managed to get herself into shape and maintain stamina, like the stamina required to mm. perform the way she performs over three hours, night in, night out. She talks about that in this interview. Okay. It's a 40 song set. Yeah. Like it's quite epic. So I, I was going to mention how she does that, but I think I might just leave it there. Okay. Let people read it for themselves. Yeah. Good one. I don't, don't spoil it for us. I'm looking forward to having a read of that. And I also like really want to get to your foot cream. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, okay, well, fair enough. I'm sure plenty of people do. So foot cream, oh there is a CeraVe foot cream. It's like massive in the US, that brand, yeah. and it's sort of that kind of derma, dermatological tested sort of, you know, take out all the fancy perfumes yeah. and all that kind of stuff. Long story short, I really have 
quite nice shaped feet. <laughs> Where are we going? Are you going to talk? <laughs> how long are you going to talk about feet for? You said you really want to be. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm giving you the full treatment. Oh I can boy. scale it back if you want. Can I talk about Swifty? There's a full cream. It's good. <laughs> the link is in the episode notes. <laughs> We are nearly done. Being shut down. We're not actually finished yet. <laughs> One more thing to go. Okay. Squeeze Press is the part of the podcast where we talk to you about what we're up to or tell you some news about the business. This week, we just want to say thanks for tuning in. If you're new to the channel, to the Squeeze, welcome. Yeah. And if you're looking for other podcasts from us, the Squeeze Today, Squeeze Shortcuts, Squeeze Kids, just search for the Squeeze in your podcasting app. Yeah. In the meantime, if you like this show, if you've been a long time listener, give us a rating, leave us a review, send us a note using Spotify Q&A. We love to hear from you and we will be back right here next week. <laughs>